This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight we begin with George Burns and Gracie Allen, a husband-wife team who entertained in the vaudeville stage, burlesque, radio, television, and the movies for over 40 years. Their 30-minute radio show debuted in September of 1934 as The Adventures of Gracie, whose title changed to The Burns and Allen Show in 36. The series ran, moving back and forth between NBC and CBS, until May of 1950, and after their radio show's cancellation, Burns and Allen re-emerged on television with a popular situation comedy which ran from 1950 to 1958. Burns and Allen's radio show was inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame in 1994. Here we are in tonight's episode. It's entitled, Gracie Overhears a Murder. Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George? Sure. Pour me a cup, Gracie. You know, Maxwell House is always good to the last drop. And that drop's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With yours truly, Bill Goodwin... The music of Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. Our happy postman, Mel Blank, and Lorreen Tuttle, Elliot Lewis, and Wally Mayer. For your Thursday night comedy enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for your everyday coffee-drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. It's late afternoon at the Burns's, and a very hungry George is just arriving home for dinner. He hurries up the walk, reaches for the doorknob, when suddenly from inside the house... Ah! Holy smoke! Gracie is being murdered! Gracie, what happened? Nothing, dear. I'm listening to my favorite radio mystery, The Tall Man. We got you this time, Tall Man. <laughs> you like that? Shut that off. Gracie, stop with these radio mysteries. I'd like some dinner. I'm hungry. But I want to listen to the tall man. Nuts to the tall man. How about the hungry man? Oh, I haven't heard that program. When is it on? I'm the hungry man. Oh. I'm starved. Oh. I'm famished. I could eat a horse. Oh, well, then you should have called me from the office. I was planning on lamb chops. <laughs> yes. Look, oh, quiet, dear. I want to finish listening to the tall man. You remember it's about that marvelous detective named Rudy and his darling wife, Trudy? Yes, a darling girl. Oh, she's just charming. <laughs> They're so in love. Right in the middle of a murder, they lean over the victim and hold hands. Yeah, they're romantic. Oh, yes. It's so exciting tonight. I'll turn it on again. Rudy and Trudy have been captured by the master criminal. Mm. He's been chained in a dungeon, and he's torturing them. 
Well, that I'd like to hear. Shh. Are you afraid, Trudy? That's Rudy. Yes, I guess that is. Not when I'm with you, Rudy. Mm. That's Trudy. I know, I know. <laughs> I can't bear to look, Rudy. What torture is he using on you? He's burning the soles of my feet with red hot irons. <laughs> Does it hurt, darling? I find it rather annoying. He's so brave. I'll call him Spunky after this. <laughs> what is he doing now, Rudy? He's pouring molten lead in my ear. <laughs> Does it hurt? Beg pardon? <laughs> is it frightfully painful? I'm beginning to get bored. <laughs> for a kiss, sweetheart? Naturally. <laughs> mm. oh, Rudy's so romantic. He's a romantic chap, yes. I think I shall break these chains and capture this ruffian. Do that, Rudy. I shall, Trudy. Oh, Rudy's so strong. He's a brute, yes. Stand back, tall man. I got you covered with my Tommy gun. I'm not impressed. Take that. Ooh. <laughs> how splendid, Rudy. Now, how shall we escape from this dungeon? Simple, Trudy. I shall take the springs from that bed and build a radio broadcasting station. Oh, no. <laughs> then we'll radio for assistance. Oh, Rudy's so brilliant. Smart as a whip, yes. <laughs> You're a most amazing man. Precious. Thank you. Would you care for a kiss, sweetheart? Naturally. Mm. <laughs> Shut that thing off. Shut it off. Shut it off. Oh, oh, aren't they wonderful, John? Yeah, they're wonderful, wonderful. Now, how about some food? I'm starving. Oh, food. The tall man and his wife would never bother with food. They're too busy discovering murders and grilling suspects. All right. Grill me a suspect, I'll eat that. <laughs> oh, George, why can't you be more like Rudy the tall man? Does he yap at his wife about cooking and things like that? No. He's romantic. When he comes home, he kisses her hand. All right. Stick your hand up to my mouth. With your appetite, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> Well, all right, dear, all right. I'll show you how quickly I can get domestic. Now, how would you like some nice lamb chops, mashed potatoes and gravy, fresh asparagus, green salad and apple pie? Great. All right, I'll call the Brown Derby make a reservation. <laughs> you really, you really got domestic, though. Mm. Oh, brother, I can eat a horse. I'm really hungry. Hello? Is that you, Dave? Yeah. What's on your mind? Oh, Donna, someone else is on the line. Hey, listen, Dave. Got a little job to do. Got to get rid of a rat. Oh, it's a couple of killers. Well, hang up. Okay. When do we do the job? How about tonight? We'll collect overtime. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to kill a man tonight. Oh, stop. Where is the rat? 360 North Camden Drive. Meet me there in two hours. What if there's no one home? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll call and check on that. 
Okay. What's it gonna be? Poison? Nah. Nah, that's too slow. I got you, Pete. I'll see you there. So long. I heard it. I heard the whole plot to murder a man. Oh, we've got to warn him, George. Where's 360 North Camden Drive? That's our house. Hey, good, let's go. Yo, George! What's the matter? The killers are after you. Gracie, you've been listening to too many of these crime programs. You're imagining this. You're there here already. It's the killers. Oh, it's Bill Good when I saw him through the window. Come in. Hi, Burns. What's new? Oh, Bill. They're going to shoot George. Why, did he break a leg? (laughs) I wish it had been the killers. Oh, Bill, this is serious. Someone's out to get George. And I know how those killers work. They'll shoot him and stab him and strangle him. And then they'll put him in cement and drop him in the ocean. And George can't swim. Yes, and it's bad for my rheumatism. Gracie, relax. Nobody is after me. I'm an entertainer. Every week I sing and tell jokes to 20 million people. Who'd want to kill me? 20 million people. (laughs) Bill, please remember who pays your salary. You're not working for Hope now. No, that's right. Now I'm working for charity. (laughs) Why, you... How can you fight among yourselves when George's life is in danger? Bill... Why don't you be George's bodyguard? Thanks, but I don't need a guard. No, but you could sure use a body. (laughs) I don't believe any of this killer stuff. Hello? Hello? Is George Blaine's dad? Yes. George, it's one of the killers. Oh, stop kidding. Give me the phone. Hello? Blaine's? That's me. (laughs) Just wanted to make sure that you were home. See you at nine o'clock. You were right. <laughs> the killers are coming oh, for me. George, I think I'm gonna faint. Oh, darn it, he beat me to it. <laughs> Yeah. Any minute now, somebody will take a pot shot at me. Yeah, get your stomach away from that window. (laughs) Gee, who can I turn to for help? Oh, I do. I've got it. I know just the one who can save you, the tall man. It's a radio program. But I read in the magazine that Rudy and Trudy are really man and wife, and I know where they live. Come on. Gracie, listen. Radio stars are not the same in person as they are on the air. On their programs, Sinatra Skinny, Jack Benny is Stingy. And Eddie Cantor is an old man. But have you seen them in person? Yeah, and that clinches my argument. Come on. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Oh, well, here's the tall man's house. I'll ring the bell. Oh, Rudy can save you from those killers. He's so strong and brave and clever. Well, what is it? Are you uh, Trudy? That's right. What do you want? Well, we want to speak to your husband, the tall man. 
Hey, Rudy, you've got visitors. Oh, not now, Trudy. I'm in agony. <laughs> this hangnail is killing me. <laughs> A hangnail bothers the tall man? Oh, there, there, there must be some mistake. I know he's brave. Well, look at this piece of skin dangling down. My own skin. It's almost an eighth of an inch long. I told you I'd cut it off. No, no, don't touch me with those awful scissors. I think. <laughs> hey, he's brave. Look, let's go, Gracie. I think we're... What can I do for you? Please make it brief because I'm suffering dreadfully. Oh, <laughs> yes. A handnail can be painful. I suppose you hurt your finger when you knocked out a bunch of gangsters. Huh. Tell them how you did it, stupid. <laughs> I was trying to open a jar of peanut butter. Spilled it all over the floor, too. Well, it was too heavy for me. Stop making excuses. You're clumsy, that's all. But I-, I thought he was so smart about doing things with his hands, like making a radio set out of the bed spring. Him? Oh, Butterfingers. Sure, he dropped the peanut butter. <laughs> I'll never forget the time I asked him to put a new bulb in the lamp. He broke it all to pieces. That was your fault. You should have told me which end of the bulb to screw in. <laughs> Let's get somebody else to help me. I don't no, think I George, got a chance. No, no. I think I'm ruined if I get this kid. Rudy, my husband is in danger, and we thought that you might be his bodyguard. <laughs> what am I doing? What's the matter? Look, crawling on the floor, a bug. Want me to kill it, strong heart? No, no, just shoo it out. You know I can't stand the sight of blood. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Well, um, I did want you to guard my husband, but somehow in person you don't seem to be like you are on the radio. I should hope not. That tall man is such a brutal character. Yeah, she's a bad man. I'd be much happier if they let me play Henry Aldrich. <laughs> He'd be even happier if they let him play Ma Perkins. <laughs> Now you stop teasing me, Trudy It's time to put another cold compress on my finger Okay, stick it out There <gasps> Yeah, it's cold, it's cold <laughs> Yes, it's cold, it's cold Will you stop yelling or will I slug you? All right, I'll be brave Would you care for a little kiss, sweetheart? Oh, shut up. Come on, Gracie, let's get out. Well, the tall man couldn't help us, Meredith, so now it's up to you and me to save George's life. Is that why we came down here to the underworld, Gracie? Yes, this is the same tough saloon we were in last week. We'll ask questions and find out who's after George. I get it. We'll pretend to be crooks again. Right. You, bartender, let's have some cider. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what'll it be? I'll have a beer. What kind? Root. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, ain't I seen your face someplace else? No, it's always been right here in the front of me head. <laughs> Hey, I remember you now. You was here last week. Said your name was Gracie Catras. That's me, Sister to Alcatraz. <laughs> Want some information? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the dope? He's my friend, Meredith Wilson. 
do you want to know? Well, there's a couple of killers trying to knock off a pal of mine named Pretty Boy Burns. <laughs> I want protection for him. Never heard of him. Here's his picture. Pretty boy, huh? Yeah. Sure outgrew it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I, um, I want to know who's trying to kill him and why. I don't know nothing about it. Oh, won't talk, huh? Suppose I have Meredith to work you over. He ain't man enough to hide a flea. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, look, I don't know nothing. If you want protection for Burns, why don't you get him a couple of flat feet? No good. He's already got a couple. <laughs> that doesn't. Will you get out of here, sister? Yeah. Come on, Meredith. Meredith Wilson and his orchestra in Tippity Doodah. Gracie, do you think this plan will work? Well, certainly. You've got to escape from the killers, and a disguise is the only way. Nobody will know you're disguised as an old man. What are you doing now? Well, I'm drawing wrinkles on your face with my eyebrow pencil. There. Now, put on these spectacles and take this cane. Well, how do I look? Uh, your own wife wouldn't know you. I'm not so sure. What did you say, Edgar? <laughs> Edgar? See, your own wife. Yeah, you didn't recognize me. Now, don't be afraid to open the door, dear. No one will recognize you. Good evening, Mr. Burns. Here's a special delivery letter for you. Uh, Mr. Postman, don't you uh, notice something different about George? Yes. I've never seen him looking better. Better? He looks so much younger than usual. Goodbye, Mr. Postman. Goodbye, and remember, keep smiling. <laughs> Come on, get this disguise off me. I've got to think of a plan. The killers will be here any minute. Yeah, I've got it. I'll put a dress on you and disguise you as a woman. They'll see right through that. Not if you wear a slip under it. <laughs> well, nuts to that. I'm through with disguises. Let the killers come. I'll fight the man to man. I'm not afraid. <gasps> 
Oh, darling. There they are. Shall I open the door, George? George? George, come out from under the divan. Happy, you are still sticking out. It makes it a very tempting target. Hey, what goes on here? Why don't you open the door when a fella... What's George doing under the couch? Developing pictures? Now, he thought you were the killers, Bill. They're due any minute. Yeah, Bill. I've only got a few more minutes to live. My whole life is flashing before me. My childhood. The day I became 21. The day I went to war. Tell me, George, was it tough at Gettysburg? (laughs) That's right. Joke while the killers come closer and closer. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean this stuff about the killers is really on the level? certainly it is. Well, why didn't you two say so? I'll save you, George. I'll set a trap for those guys. Wonderful. Now, Gracie, get me a long piece of string, a shotgun, and a kettle full of boiling water. I'll fix those killers. Oh, right away, Bill. How does the trap work, Bill? As the killers turn the doorknob, yeah. it pulls the string, yeah. which sets off the shotgun. It shoots the killer. No, no. no huh? Something else happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, here's what happens. It shoots a hole in the kettle and lets the boiling water run out. And it runs on the killer. No, not yet. <laughs> it runs into a percolator, makes a pot of Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> what happens to the killers? They smell the coffee and make a beeline to the kitchen to get some. They forget all about me. Sure, sure, they forget. I you blame that. them? No. <laughs> Maxwell House is rich, delicious, and mellow. That famous Maxwell House flavor, you know, is the result of careful selection and blending of premium Latin American coffees radiant roasted to perfection. It's no wonder more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Bill, are you just going to let the killer sit there and drink the coffee? Oh, no, no, George. Oh, you got something. Not. Yeah, I thought so. You see, this is National oh. Donut Week. We'll give him some donuts, too. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What a combination. That's a good trap. Donuts. <laughs> donuts and Maxwell House coffee. And a new partner for Gracie, because I'll be there. <laughs> Maxwell House is the very best in coffee-drinking pleasure, yet it costs but a fraction of a penny more per cup than the cheapest coffee you can buy. That's why Maxwell House is the choice of so many millions of Americans today. They know today's coffee buy is Maxwell House, the coffee that's always good to the last drop. Bill, I don't think much of your plan. But, George, except for one little flaw, it's a wonderful plan. Yeah, but when the killers get through with the donuts and coffee, they'll murder me. That's the one little flaw. <laughs> Outside of that, you got Bill, something. And the kettle. Oh, George. What? What happened? The killers. The killers. Look, they're coming up the front walk. What'll I do? Where can I hide? I know. The closet. No. No, George, don't go in there. You're going to face these killers like a man. You're not going to hide in that closet. Why not? Because that's where I'm hiding. (laughs) My pal. Oh, they're almost to the door, George. Now they've stopped to look at the address. I'm going to hide in the cellar. Tell them I'm not here. Get rid of them. No, George, Bill, come back. Oh, all right, I'll face them alone. I'll save George from those killers. This the right place, Dave? Yeah, 360. Let's make this a quick one, Pete. Well, shouldn't take us long to get rid of one rat. Nah. Nah, it ain't like a termite job. (laughs) The jobs I hate are them silverfish. Well, ants and moths ain't no bargain either. 
Uh-huh. What a lousy racket we're in, huh? You know, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't be an exterminator. Yeah. <laughs> ah, me neither. Hey, uh, when did this guy Burns call about the rat in his cellar? Oh, that was more than a month ago. Well, you know how the orders pile up. When I spoke to him today, he acted like he'd forgot all about it. Well, come on, come on, let's get it over with. You come in. Uh, we called you today, lady. We're here. Yeah, yeah to... I know why you're here. Okay. Where's the rat? Uh... <laughs> he, he he went to Florida. <laughs> Florida? Doctor's orders. Hey, we got no time for jokes, lady. That rat's in the cellar, right? Yeah, how did you know? We make our living this way. Let's get busy, Dave. Wait, wait. Please don't kill him. What's eating you, lady? I love that little rat. You love him? Hey, look, lady, you're kidding. No. No, well, ain't he a pest? Don't he sneak around at night and eat up all the food? Don't he cost you money? Yes, but I love the little rat. <laughs> look, look at it this way, lady. Don't it scare you when you see them little beady eyes looking at you? <laughs> and them, them little gray whiskers are twitching, huh? Yes, but I love the little rat. <laughs> well, for Pete's sake, why? Stop talking like my mother. Huh? I love him because he's mine I've nursed him when he was sick Shared his sorrows and joys He's my boopsy boy You call him boopsy boy? Yes Well, it's a nice name Oh, he's wonderful You should have seen him in Broadville Waterville? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds like an educated rat. No, no, he never got past the fourth grade. Hey, look. What do you make of this, Dave? Nuttier than a fruitcake. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, uh look, lady. <laughs> we won't hurt the little fella. Nah, nah, we, we'll give him gas. He won't feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we'll pick him up by the tail and carry him up. Yeah. <laughs> This I got to see. <laughs> Who's this guy just popped out of the closet? He's Booksy Boy's best friend. You and the rat are friends? Oh, sure. I've known the little guy for years. We wear each other's neckties. <laughs> Another loony. Let's get out of here. No, nuts to that. I'm here to kill that rat, and I'm going to go down the basement and do it. Oh, no, no, please. Get away from that door. Come on, Dave. Come on, we're getting out of here. What happened, Pete? Well, if you think those two are nuts, you ought to see the idiot they keep in a basement. <laughs> Join us again next week when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Meredith Wilson, and his orchestra. Yours truly, Bill Goodwin. The George Burns and Gracie Allen Show is written by Paul Henning and Keith Fowler. 
Till next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House. Now stay tuned in for Noah Webster Says, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for The Lone Ranger, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Lone Ranger, where tonight you'll meet two other legends, Calamity Jane and Wild Bill Hickok. Faithful Indian companion Tonto, the masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. The stories of his strength and courage, his daring and resourcefulness have come down to us through the generations. And nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past and the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver, the Lone Ranger meets Calamity Jane. One silver, hurry, big fellow, one silver, hurry! Warm September sun bathed Princeton, Missouri in a pleasant and affectionate glow. Its light was reflected in the shining row of freshly washed bottles that lined the front porch of Frank Brown's general store. That was matched by the rich, tawny sheen of a young girl's hair. She was hardly ten years old, freckle-faced, barefooted, and dressed in faded blue overalls. But her eyes were sparkling, and her smile was one of triumph as she fairly skipped along the dusty street. Hi, Kip. What you got? Red-tailed squirrel. Ain't he a beauty? Looks more like a woodchuck to me. Guess I know a squirrel when I see one. Where'd you find him? Some hunter must have forgotten. I killed him myself. Oh, how? You can't shoot a rifle. Don't need a rifle. 
I peg squirrels all the time with my slingshot. I don't believe it. Don't. See if I care. Killing a squirrel with a slingshot. Why, even Clash Barber, Red McGovern, or me can't. And we're boys. Listen, I can do anything you or any other boy can do. Who rode that calf into the meeting house and whooped so loud most all the women fainted? Well... And who went swimming in the creek last spring before snow was off the ground? Well, you did, Janie, but... Tell me, how'd you kill that squirrel? Did you have to sneak up on him or... No, I just spotted him sitting on a log down by the road. So I pulled out my slingshot and I said, Mr. Squirrel, you ain't nothing but a dad-burned, low-down, snaggletooth, hog-waller environment. Then I let him have it, see? Golly, Janie... Where'd you learn to talk like that? My pa talks that way all the time. Especially when I hide his charm tobacco. Gee. But I still don't think that you're that good with a slingshot. Yeah? See them bottles sitting up there on Brown's porch? I can pick off any one of them. First shot. Oh, don't try that. You might hit the big window. Listen, I hit what I'm aiming at. Wait, Janie, <laughs> don't. That fancy pants kid of old man Brown's. You know, Gilroy. He might see him Who and... Who cares about Gilroy? Watch this. Gee. I can do it again. Uh-oh. Here comes Gilroy. Let him come. What's the idea of throwing rocks and breaking bottles on my father's front porch? What do you care, Bob? They're all empty. Janie. I might have known it. Mother says you're the most disgusting girl in the whole town. And she's right. What does your mother see about her own little girl? There aren't any girls in our family. Your ma can fix that any time by dressing you in a pinafore and braiding your hair. <laughs> you, you, somebody ought to slap your dirty face. Why don't you try? I, I will. <clears throat> you dad burned, low-down, snaggletooth, hogwaller environment. I'm going to beat the living tar out of you. Oh. <laughs> That's it, Janie. Sock him again. Hey, what's going on down there? It's old man Brown. Gilroy! Gilroy! Father, father, I'll learn you not to... Here, here, here. Uh, take, take your knee out of Gilroy's face. Here, let him up. She, she hit me and called me names. Didn't touch a critter till he slapped me. Why, I... Oh, it's you. If there's any trouble around here, you're bound to be at the bottom of it. Gilroy was on the bottom most of the time. You... Go on home. You have a home. Get off the street. Hurry up. Here's your squirrel, Jeannie. I've been holding it for you. Thanks, Chip. Come on. And as for you, Gilroy, you're old enough to stay out of fights, especially with girls. Now go on back to the store and wash your face. She, she was breaking those bottles on the front porch. Yes, I saw that slingshot she was carrying. I guess I ought to be thankful she didn't break the front window. Well, Frank, was a ruckus down there, wasn't it? Yeah, just kids fighting, that's all. Go wash your face, Gilroy. <laughs> I was sitting right here when that young'un started popping off those bottles with her slingshot. Pretty good shot. Uh, she's Bob Canary's kid. Martha Jane Canary. Yeah, I know. She's a wild one, all right. Yes, sir. If you ask me, that Janie's a caution. You dapper and low-down, snaggletooth, hobbler, and What the? <laughs> Clean through the window. By Juniper, that genie's a caution. She's worse than that. She's a calamity. Unwittingly, the country storekeeper had christened a tradition. As the years passed and she left Princeton with her parents, a vital, boisterous, untamed girl became Calamity Jane. Soon this headstrong young woman who dressed in men's clothes and scorned the privilege of being a lady 
was known from the cow trails of Kansas to the gold mines of Dakota. She joined in the Texas Roundup. That's all for today, boys. Douse the irons and let them critters bed down. Hey, what the... Hey, why don't you swing a loop on that longhorn for the varmint stampedes the whole herd? A loop won't do no good, Slim. I'll bulldog the critters. Get up there. Look at her ride. There she goes out of the saddle and... Twist the critter's neck, Calamity. Twist it. Now she did it. Did it slick on a whistle. Hi, Juniper, she's worth ten ordinary cowpokes. There's only one Calamity Jane. She drew cards with the rest of the men. I'm holding a pair, so I'll take three cards. Sure. Here they come. Just a minute, Tinhorn. I said three cards from the top of the deck. Not from the middle or the bottom. What do you mean? I... Now, listen. I don't pack this shooting iron for an ornament. Give me a straight deal or I'll drill your lion carcass. Why, sure, sure. Anything you say. That's telling them, Calamity. <laughs> One evening, a few months later, the Lone Ranger and Tonto pulled their horses to a halt on the outskirts of Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, who's oh, got oh, oh, well, we'll walk the horses from here into town, Toto. Uh, uh, how you know Wild Bill Hickok's still in Kansas City? I don't. He was here a few weeks ago. It's up to us to find him. This message from Abilene's important. Uh, where we look? Well, the Central Cafe is the most likely place. We can reach the rear entrance by taking a side street. I don't think we'll be seen. Uh, Take it easy. Come on, Silver. Get him up, Scout. <laughs> Calamity Jane had been in Kansas City for several days. Dressed as usual in buckskin trousers and leather shirt, she was surrounded by a boisterous crowd of cowboy friends in the Central Cafe. <laughs> Go on, Calam, tell us what happened. Well, like I was saying, it was down in Texas. This young puncher had never seen me before, and I guess he was a little drunk. First thing I knew, he was trying to kiss me. <laughs> kiss you? Well, what'd you do? Laid a gun barrel alongside his head. That cooled him off. <laughs> ain't, you, ain't you ever been kissed, Calamity? Not lately. Uh, you just haven't met the right man, that's all. Well, I don't mean us cowpokes. You might change your mind if a gent like, uh, like, uh, well, like Wild Bill Hickok over there Hickok? was to put his... I've heard about him. Which one is he? Tall gent, stand at the end of the bar. See that long yellow hair and how slick he's dressed? Mm-hmm. So that's Wild Bill Hickok. Did somebody say Hickok was in here? Where is he? Right over there, stranger, near the back door. You a friend of his? He'll probably leave you by that back door, too. That's good enough for me. Who was that little pint-sized critter? Looks like a tin horn. Yeah, he is. Name's Jack McCall. I know him down... Maybe I'm wrong, boys, but... I'll lay eight to five, he's a killer. He had that look in his eye. And what's more, I'll bet he's gunning for that Hickok, gent. You think he is? Now, if Mr. Hickok leaves here by the back door, McCall may be planning a little back-shooting job. Let's go outside and sashay around to the rear end of this place. Come on, boys. It's the back door of the cafe, Tonto. You go in and see if... Wait. 
There's a crowd of men coming this way. Ah. And look, that little man, standing shadows by door. Yes, I wonder if he... <laughs> Going back to the hotel and get some sleep. Hey, right. Pato, that's Bill Hickok now. This way, Hickok. Take what's coming to you. What the? Look out! I'll get that varmint. Look out, Pato. They're coming from both sides. Come on. Hello, Ranger and Pato crouched low and ran with drawn guns toward the rear of the Central Cafe, where wild Bill Hickok was caught in a bewildering crossfire. Grasping the situation at a glance, the masked man decided that the crowd of cowboys, which included Calamity Jane, could be dealt with later. He removed the greatest danger first. Keep down, Bill. Stay down. Oh, my eye! At least he's out of the way. Hey, what is... Hey, look! Hello! Who's wearing the mask? There's a redskin with him. Right out! Let him have That's a woman, fellow. Watch your fire. Ah, I'll try to stop her. My, oh, my God! He shot it! Hold your fire! I haven't been aiming to kill. If you don't stop shooting, we'll level our sights. Hey, what are you... Oh, it's you. I wondered who was siding with me and never dreamed... Hello, Bill. I came up just in time to see you walk into a gun trap. Yeah, from both sides. We weren't trying to gun you, Hickok. We figured to burn Jack McCall. He was waiting back at the door. McCall? So that's who... Then this owl who horned in This man's a friend of mine. I'm grateful to you boys and him, too. Friend? He's an outlaw, ain't he? Not a... See if McCall's still over there by the door. Oh, Friend or not, he shot Calam. She's laying right back there on the ground. Who? Calamity Jane. I'm sure she isn't seriously hurt. I shot at her guns, that's all. Oh, uh, Tom Smith, the sheriff of Abilene, was killed a few days ago, Bill. Hey, I want you to take his job. Will you ride back with Tonto and me? Smith? Dead? Why, sure, sure, I'll go. Good. Okay, Masabi. Yeah. McCall, tell her gone. Me not find him. Boy, that sneaking little sidewinder, I'm going to... Too late for that now, Bill. See how bad Calamity Jane's hurt. I don't know I'll wait for you over here. The masked jet was right, Bill. Clam ain't been hit by any bullets. Guess maybe she fainted or something. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And if all you men are friends of hers, well, she's in good hands. Don't worry, Bill. We'll take care of her. Calamity Jane. I know you can't hear me, Calamity, but... I want to thank you for what you tried to do. I've got to go, boys. You heard the message I got. Yeah, the only thing I can't figure out about that message is that... Well, did you see that? He caught Kiss Calamity when he was kneeling down there. Yeah, I saw him. Knowing what Calam thinks about kissing, it's a good thing she's unconscious. I'm not unconscious, you idiot. Calamity! You know what happened, Calamity? Sure I know. I was knocked down when that outlaw shot my guns away. And Bill Hickok came over here and kissed me. And and you don't care? Boys, for, for the first time in my life, I, I wish my hair was frizzed out real pretty-like. And that instead of this buckskin, I, I was wearing calico. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. Now, 
to continue our story. A year passed, and Calamity Jane continued to roam the boom towns of the West. Her fame became greater as time went by. Her friends were legion. She was Calamity Jane, queen of the frontier, and she loved it. Only one thing disturbed her. There was a king whose fame was even greater than her own. His name was Wild Bill Hickok. In Deadwood, South Dakota, they met for the second time. Bill! Bill Hickok! Well, love, if it isn't Calamity Jane... Gosh, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see you. The last time in Kansas City, there was so much lead flying that I... Then that outlaw friend of yours got well, you He's to... a friend of mine, all right. But he's not an outlaw. I've wondered about that lots of times. Who is he? Why, he's alone. Oh, just someone I'm mighty proud to know. Say, say, I'll buy a drink. Oh, no, you won't. This is my town, Bill. I'll buy. <laughs> all right, Calamity. Anything you say. Come on. Hello, Johnny, Slim, Bob, Tex. Head for the bar, boys. I'm going to buy. Hey, look who just walked in. It's Wild Bill Hickok. When did you get into town, Bill? How long are you going to stay? Oh, no, yeah? Just a minute. Don't rush me. Say, maybe you gents didn't hear me. I said the drinks are on me. Sure, we heard you, Calam, but... Hey, Bill, tell us about that gunfight you had down in Abilene. Yeah. Oh, something Calamity Jane hated to admit, even to herself, but the truth was hard to deny. When the king was in town, people forgot about the queen. A few weeks later, everything changed suddenly. Wild Bill told the Lone Ranger about it. You see, Calamity Jane and I got married this morning. Nobody knows it but you. Married? Well, congratulations, Bill. I didn't know you were planning on it. I wasn't. But now that it's done, I'm Going to work awfully hard at being a husband. Good. I don't know Calamity very well, and she probably... Neither do I. All I know is that I'm in love with her. Only one thing that sort of puzzles me. What's that? Well, she made me swear to keep our marriage a secret. I don't figure that telling you is... If it's a secret, Bill, it's safe with me. Calamity told me why she wants it that way. Is that so? Maybe other folks wouldn't understand, but I do. You see, Calamity's used to having everybody make a fuss over her. Of course, they do that to me, too. There can't be two firsts, can there, Bill? Something like that. Anyway, whatever she wants is good enough for me. And I'll help her any way I can. I'm glad to hear it. Oh, uh, say, by the way, Bill, I understand a gambler named Jack McCall has been seen around Deadwood lately. McCall? He tried to kill you in Kansas City. Remember? Oh, oh, that little tin horn. Uh, He doesn't worry me. But I'll keep my eyes peeled. You uh, have a reputation for being very cautious. You're always sitting with your back to the wall when you're in a room. Uh, Don't forget it. I won't. Thanks for coming over. Todd and I camped at the edge of town. If you ever need help, let us know. I will. Adios, Bill. True to his word, Bill Hickok retired more and more to the background. 
Even when he received an urgent message to report to General Custer, Calamity Jane went with him. General Custer, I know where there's a scout that knows more about this country than I'll ever know. A scout that can outride, outshoot, and outguess 20 critters like me. Well, it sounds impossible, but uh, who is this paragon? Standing right beside me, General. Calamity Jane. Calamity? You? Well, if I was real modest and ladylike, General, I'd call Bill a liar. But if I want to be truthful, I've got to agree with him. Well, I I hardly know what to say. Calamity's your scout, General. There ain't a better one from here to Texas. I, uh... Well, very well, I'll take your word for it, Bill. You mean I've got the job, General? Scouting for you and the 7th Cavalry? Report back here to the fort within 10 days. I... Yes, sir. You don't know how much this means to me, Bill. Imagine me, Calamity Jane, a real army scout. If it's what you want, that's all that's important. And... You don't care, do you, Bill, about not telling folks we're married? All I care about is seeing you happy. I I want folks to like me the way they've always liked me. Because I'm Calamity Jane. I understand. You just leave it to me. Calam, just like you used to be. <laughs> I've never changed, boys. Say, Calam, is it right that you're going to be scout for General Custer? Sure, why not? You know where the general can find a better one? <laughs> no, by the eternal, I don't. But I'm not reporting for duty for over a week. Then there's plenty of time to... Oh, hello there, Bill. Hello. I say there's plenty of time, Calam, for you to knock the tops off a few bottles for us. Ain't it about time we all had a drink? Yeah. All right. Watch this. <laughs> Boys, calamity slinging lead. There's one part that's kind of hard to figure out. What do you mean? Why does calamity keep on hanging around with a back number like Bill Hickok? <laughs> Wild Bill. Why, he's nothing but a beat-down gunfighter that ain't got sense enough to get himself killed. Yeah, it is kind of funny why calamity keeps pulling him around. Uh, uh... Hi, Bill. Hello, boys. Say, I notice Calamity's pretty busy at the bar right now. I don't want to bother her. You got a chance, tell her I'll see her later, will you? Sure, we'll tell her if we get a chance. Of course, no one in Deadwood knew of a certain gambler's intense hatred for Bill Hickok. Only the Lone Ranger knew that. And only Tonto, whose watchful eye had never left Jack McCall, realized the murder was being planned. Me see gambler fella write two notes, Kimasabi. One him sent to Calamity Jane, other to Bill Hickok. McCall's up to something, that's certain. We'll ride into town and see, Bill. Come on, Silver. Get up, scout. I tell you, Bill, Tonto saw Jack McCall writing two notes. It's a frame-up. Maybe, maybe it isn't. This note's from Calamity. She says she's going to Red Creek to take care of some minor sick kid. 
And she might not be back for quite a while. You don't believe that, do you? Well, she's gone. Maybe it's her idea. What do you mean? Maybe I am just an old-time gunfighter without enough sense to lay down and die. Everybody in town had planned a big banquet in Calamity's honor for tonight. She must have got awful tired of me or she wouldn't have left town and missed that banquet. That doesn't make sense and you know it. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure of anything anymore. I don't know. Find Calamity. Red Creek or wherever she is. You wait here. I'll be down at the cafe. It's... Kind of lonesome around here when Calamity's gone. Come on, Toto. There she is, Toto. Riding right ahead of us. Ah, wait! Calamity, pull up! Pull up! What the? Masks, turn out, boy. You're not going to... Grab the bridle, Toto. Ah! Oh, Scott, hold on. Oh, Silver, hold. Oh, Please, oh, oh, boy. If you think you're going to... Keep gonna... leather, Calamity. Hey, I thought I recognized you. You're the same owl. Yes, we've met before. I'm a friend of Bill's. The important thing now is why you rode up here to Red Creek. Oh, guess Bill must have been playing some kind of a trick on me. I got enough. It was a trick, that... all right. Bill had nothing to do with it. Come on, we'll head back to Deadwood. You wait at the house. Tano and I'll go to the cafe and get Bill. Come on, Silver. Get up. Get up, Scout. But long before the Lone Ranger and Tonto reached the cafe where Bill Hickok was waiting. Jack McCall found the man he hated with his back to an open door. Hickok! What the? This is once you've got no who fought beside you. Calamity, I... You don't have to tell me. I've already heard about it. Bill's dead. The law caught Jack McCall. You hang for murder. That won't bring Bill back. <sighs> Why did Calamity, have you ever heard of a woman whose thoughtless selfishness helped to destroy the man she loved? You... You mean I... Oh, no, Bill didn't deliberately... No, of course not. But I'm afraid that by the time Bill walked into the cafe tonight, he didn't care. This is the night the boys are given some kind of a dinner for me. Will you send word that I... I... I think he would want you to go. Adios, Calamity. Quit jabbering for a while. Maybe I can make a speech. <clears throat> I guess y'all know why we're here. This blowout is in honor of Deadwood's leading citizen. I'm talking about a rip-snorting female we're all proud of. Calamity Jane. <laughs> now, Calam, if you just stand up, I can hand you something we all chipped in to buy. All right, boys. Here. A pair of the finest silver-mounted shooting irons Mr. Cole ever made. And look at that inscription on there. To the Queen of Deadwood, Calamity Jane. I am mighty grateful for the present. I know you all meant it to be right, but it's wrong. The inscription's wrong. It's to Calamity Jane. Well, 
What's wrong with that? Ain't that you? No, boys. My name is Mrs. Bill Hickok. just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Green Hornet, followed by Suspense. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.